more and more, as Christmases roll on, we're finding that we have the problem of what do you get the person that seems to have everything. I don't know whether you're finding that, but it used to be the kind of problem that you had for, you know, like your rich uncle or your, um, you know, your spoiled little nephew, okay, who seems to just have everything. But more and more, you, when you look around at, at how we live our lives and how things are going, it just seems like we've just got more and more stuff all of the time. It's been a dilemma for us with our kids, okay? We've kind of got uh, the, my, my two little ones share a bedroom. There's no more room for anything in their bedroom that we've given them today. We're going to have to put old stuff away and bring the new stuff out. Maybe you've found this problem if you've got adult kids. Adult kids are terrible for this because they're into gadgets and gadgets are expensive. So it's kind of like really not appropriate to, you know, fork out on the new iPhone, which is like at least a thousand and something dollars, is it? Because that's just a bit excessive for Christmas. What do you, but then they've probably already got it, don't they? Because they've got their own part-time job and they're just buying this kind of stuff all the time. What about your parents? Your parents have given you everything. What are you meant to give them on Christmas Day? If you've got baby boomer parents or older, you probably try to get them like an iPad or something so that you can FaceTime them and try to bring them up to date with technology. But apart from that, what on earth are you meant to give them? Well, we've, we've come up with a solution in our country, haven't we? You give someone a gift voucher. You give them the gift voucher. But what's the problem with gift vouchers? Down to the very bottom, in really small writing, they've got an expiry date. They've got an expiry date. Just a week or two ago, we were rummaging through our drawers and we found a massage voucher that someone had given Tara last year for Christmas and was just about to expire. What are we going to do with this? We're not going to be able to get time to have that. So she had to give it away to someone before it got wasted. And I actually thought, I bet this happens all the time. So I looked up a news website. In 2017, Australians let $70 million go expired on gift cards. Isn't that crazy? And do you know what? In 2018, we doubled it. 148 million just went unspent on gift cards. If you, if you can do maths, that's an exponential increase. This year, it's likely to be 300 million. Okay, so I, I can't say that for certain, but if we follow that trend, isn't that crazy? $148 million that was bought on a little piece of plastic that's lost somewhere and will never be spent. It's kind of crazy. I was actually listening to a podcast, How Could We Have a More Sustainable Christmas? As, as Australians, we've got a lot of stuff. How can we actually make our Christmas more sustainable? And in that podcast, I actually learned that on Christmas Day, Australians are... In going on current trends, are likely to waste this much food. You ready? The equivalent of 9,000 Olympic-sized swimming pools full. Isn't that crazy? Now, I've already seen it in my house this morning when we didn't get to Sonny in time as he was pouring his own cereal and it kind of just overflowed everywhere. It's not hard to do, is it? That's actually the equivalent of 5 million tonnes worth of food on one day in Australia. It'll just go to waste into landfill. And it kind of got me thinking, this is just modern Australia, what's going on? It's almost like the way that we're living 
day in, day out, month after month, is it's like it's Christmas all the time. Our standard of living as Australians is really going up and up and up and up. As much as, you know, our government might try to debate that or, or people in the media might try to debate that, it's really the truth. You're actually living in the, in the most prosperous time in all of human history, right here, right now, today. Whether your life feels like it or not, that's the reality that we're living in. Our standard of life is getting better all the time. One of the elders at our church, who's actually away with family this morning, he'll often turn up to just a simple morning tea and he'll comment, oh, it's Christmas here, just because of how much food we lay out all the time. And if life is getting better and better all the time, then how do we continue to make Christmas special? How are you meant to make Christmas special in the midst of all that? Well, you kind of just go for nostalgia, don't you? You kind of go for the food that you only eat at Christmas time, even if it's not MasterChef worthy or really that special anymore. I mean, really, asparagus in a can is pretty ordinary, isn't it? But that's what we do to kind of make Christmas kind of a bit quirky, a bit of a special day. You know, back in in the last, I don't know, I think it's about 50 or 60 years ago, there was a very well-known Christmas song that went, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Well done. And it, that's still true. There's things that come about in the early December that make us think, oh, it's Christmas time. But the idea of feasting and, and going and, um, and getting something that we've been saving up for, I, I just feel like that's less and less the case, isn't it? Because we kind of are just getting the things that we want all the time. We quickly believe that There's always a good reason to feast or to go out to breakfast with someone or to have a special meal here or there. I've had heaps of friends that you don't just have a birthday celebration with them, you kind of catch up with them early for their birthday and then at their birthday party and then a couple of weeks later when, you know, Uncle Billy comes down and we've got to celebrate the birthday again. It's kind of the way that we go as Australians. We quickly believe as Australians that every day is a day to buy a day to upgrade that we've got, what we've got, new toys, new gadgets. It's really like we live Christmas every day. And it's actually a bigger problem than that because it's almost like we've believed that we can have heaven now, that we can craft ourselves the perfect life now. That's what life is like, living in a prosperous country like we do. But it doesn't actually fill us, does it? It doesn't actually get to what we really want. See, that other great thing that Christmas has always been about is our, is our family. But more and more, our families are actually broken or estranged from one another. Or we have heaps and heaps of people in our country that's as wealthy as it is who are bitterly lonely, aren't they? Or even when we are together as a family, we're often just sitting around on devices, not even looking at each other or talking to each other. Now, is anyone going to pull me up? You all look a bit worried. This is kind of depressing news. Didn't I get the memo that it's Christmas Day? Shouldn't I be talking about something happy? Well, I am going to. Don't worry. But if you look at the news that just was read out to us in that Bible reading that Mary heard that Mary received from this angel, her news wasn't exactly rainbows and lollipops, was it? 
it was, first of all to her, quite scary news. That's what we read first, that she was scared at what, she was troubled at what she heard. And then second of all, it was quite unbelievable news. And it was only after she'd kind of been able to process it as terrifying news and then unbelievable news that she could then come to really receive it and really delight in it. Let's look at it together. Starting in those first couple of verses, the angel shows up. Now, even for the Bible, an angel showing up is actually a pretty weird thing. I don't know how familiar with the Bible you are, but it's not like every second page, it's just like another angel comes down with another message. It doesn't happen like that, okay? Angel in the Bible, definitely there, but not on every page. It's weird. And so Mary recognises it as, as what it is, as something that's kind of weird. And what's the angel come to say to her? He says that she's been favoured by God. Now, don't get confused by what that means. Favoured doesn't mean that of all the people on the earth at that time, Mary was the favourite, not like it is with one of your children, but uh, is that only me? Okay. Um, It means that she has been chosen by God and God is going to do something good for her. And we read there that the angel says that the Lord is with her. And so, of course, she's thinking, what the heck is going on? What does this angel want with me? Or more to the point, what does God want with me? And we can be exactly like that, can't we? At any point when we think about God or someone tries to bring God up with us or when we want to take God a little bit seriously, it can be a pretty confronting and daunting thing. Coming close to God should be a pretty scary thing. But it's really good news. See, what we see in this part is that God is coming into her life. And so, so it is with us. At Christmas time, I want you to consider that God would be trying to come into each of your lives whether you're a believer or not, that that is what the grand message of the Bible is. But the thing that's terrifying about that is because it's actually like oil and water. Oil and water don't mix, and our lives and God don't actually mix. This problem of sin actually stands between us. And so that makes it pretty scary news. But the angel's message in all of this is to not fear. Because although it should be scary news, and it is by nature scary news, God says it doesn't have to be. Because God is coming in mercy. Because God is the one who initiated it. So he says, don't be troubled. And then he really breaks it to her, doesn't he? Now I've mentioned I've got two kids. We've actually got a third baby on the way, due in June uh, next year, which is very exciting. Very exciting for our family. Um, very tiring for Tara, who's carrying the baby at the moment. It hasn't really affected me much yet, but I'm sure it will hit me later. But when we found out that we were pregnant with this baby, it wasn't a surprise. We were hoping that we would fall pregnant. And we were away on holidays, and I got the, the job that, I don't know why it, you know, it worries me so much, but I had to go and buy the pregnancy test. And here I am, we're on holidays in Cronulla, and I'm wandering through the streets. I buy one, bring it home, and it kind of didn't do anything. 
When she took it, it just didn't, it didn't say yes, it didn't say no. So the thing that I don't like doing, buying pregnancy tests, I go and do again. And this time I was like, well, I can't go back to the same place. <laughs> so I spot this pharmacy and the worst thing was this pharmacy, they decided that this day it would get renovated. So when I go in there, it's, it's got all these people everywhere and tradesmen and all this kind of stuff. And not only that, I was pushing one of the kids in this giant pram through there. So I was a big, you know, a big um, heffalump kind of wandering my way through, bumbling around. And I look at this wall of pregnancy tests and I'm like, what am I going to do? Which one am I going to get? So um, thankfully I was helpful, helped out by one of the assistants and they came over and they said, this is a really accurate one. And I'm like, yeah, great. Get me out of here. Here's my money. <laughs> See you later. But even that only produced a very, very faint result. And so for that reason, I found it particularly hard to believe. Particularly hard to believe. It took me a long time to come to terms with the idea that we were pregnant. And it was even worse because we were visiting people being away and people were constantly saying, oh, when are you going to have another baby? When are you going to have... And we couldn't, you know, we weren't hiding the news even though it was very early to be telling people. And so I'm telling people, yeah, well, actually... Probably next year by the looks of this, I think. But I didn't even believe it myself. How much more does Mary have a reason to not believe when the angel gives her the next part of the news? Look at verse 31 with me. The angel says, You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. And if you jump down to verse 34, you can kind of hear... Mary's jaw hit the, draw, the ground, jaw dropped to the ground, and she's like, what? How is this going to be? I'm a virgin. Angels, I don't know what you understand about human anatomy, but there is no way that I am pregnant. It is not physically possible, she says. And she kind of just takes it as completely unbelievable news. But listen to how the angel responds. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit is going to do this. God most high is going to overshadow you. The holy one to be born to you will be called the son of God. See, what the angel tells her is, you don't need to worry about this, Mary, because you know the story of the Bible. You know the truth of the Bible. And you know the God that I'm talking about. And the God that I'm talking about is not troubled by whether you have or whether you haven't. Because he's the one that created He's the one that created in the beginning, created the universe, created this world, created life itself. He gave you life. And in fact, he is giving, putting this life in you. And it's going to be new life. In fact, it's right that you're a virgin because this baby that I'm giving, this one that is being created in you, is a new kind of human. See, what we read here is that God is creating again. God is creating a new kind of human. And because Jesus will be a new human, he's going to lead a new humanity. That's why it talks about a kingdom, and a kingdom that has this ability to never end. See, we've kind of skipped over verse 32, but the angel had already told her, he will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. 
And so we actually learn here that this is not just news for Mary to share, but this is God's news to her. God's news said to this one teenage girl that he was starting a whole new humanity, a reset, a humanity that would actually reflect what he wanted humanity to be. And so this truly is great news. When Mary is told that she is highly favoured, we can actually read into that 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 all who will receive this baby are also highly favoured by God. If you've received this Jesus, you are highly favoured. You have been shown God's favour. You have had his grace on your life. In fact, the very name Jesus takes us there. You will call him Jesus, and Jesus means God is saving, God is rescuing, and he's come to rescue you. And finally, this news tells us that this Jesus will reign. And so what does Mary do with this news? Well, listen to verse 37 and 38 one last time. The angel finishes by saying, For no word from God will ever fail. And Mary responds, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. That's what it looks like to receive this news because this is just news to be received. It is a gift to be accepted and opened into your own life. God's word will never fail. May your word to me be fulfilled. Mary responds. That's what we need to remember at Christmas time. And believers among us here, you might not realise this if you're visiting us, but we're actually probably, our regular church is actually outranked by visitors here today. So it's great to see so many visitors here. And I don't know where you stand, where you stand before Jesus. But for people who are believers, you know this message, don't you? That God has shown favour on your life, that God has given you a rescuer, that God has given you a king, a king to follow. So I want to implore you this morning to treasure this message, to treasure this Christmas gift. And everything that I talked about in my introduction, I want to encourage you to avoid the, the kind of seduction and confusion of, of the wealth and, and the, the kind of life that Australians are creating for themselves and instead be creating the kind of life that God wants for us. And whether it's with, with wealth or without, that's not the point, is it? It's a life that truly treasures the greatest gift that's ever been given. Follow Jesus on that narrow path that's against the grain. Now, visitors here this morning, I don't want to bash you over the head with this, but I want to see, I want you to see that this is the gift that God comes near to offer you. And it's confronting it as it is that God might be coming near to your life. He's coming in love. He's coming in mercy. And he comes with something that you need, no matter how much or how little you realise you need that. So I want to encourage you, when other things in your life fade, when things break down, when things let you down, if Christmas today isn't what it used to be, when life breaks or burns down like we see that it can happen, or if life is feeling full but then at the same time feeling empty, I want to encourage you to allow the one who came near 
to come near to you and know that he brings a life that endures forever. So Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas. But I pray that it's actually more than merry. Let it be filled with joy, joy and hope, because that is a hope-filled message. Let it be full of hope because it's about the salvation that God comes to us with. Let's ask for that help. Loving Father, we thank you for the great news that you sent to Mary. And Lord, as we see how she wrestled with it and struggled with it, but then came to believe it, Father, I ask too that you would help us to receive it, to know you, to know that you are good, to know that we can receive what you offer to us when you offer Jesus to us. Lord and Father, we ask that this Christmas day you would fill us with that joy and that hope that only is found in you. And we pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.